Hey, everybody. Absolutely fantastic episode of The Morning Show. We discussed Sam Bankman-Fried finally being arrested and potentially extradited to the United States. Nick actually was able to break the news within three minutes of anybody else on Twitter yesterday because somebody from the prime minister's office directly reached out to him to break the news directly to Nick. So really fun discussing that. We have Carlo on the show, who is a crypto defense lawyer, and he talks about what charges Sam Bankman-Fried could be potentially facing as well as potential jail time. We then also talk about the inflation report and its impact on the market, what the market is doing thus far, what the FOMC meeting tomorrow could mean for the market and what the outlook could be for 2023. Overall, it's a fantastic show with some really funny parts. Shout out to our sponsor of today's show, Tokapi. Follow Tokapi on Twitter. That's T-O-K-A-P-I. If you search for that, they'll pop up right away. They are integrating stamps onto the blockchain. Stamps is one of the biggest collectibles markets in the the world. So definitely check them out. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tuesday, December 13th. If you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show, we run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time each and every week where we discuss all things NFT market. We discuss the crypto markets, the technology field, the finance situation, the macroeconomic conditions, and everything in between. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick. Funniest man in the business, the uh, star of the Investigator series, which dropped yesterday. Looks like uh, it's getting critical acclaim. Love to see it. A Signal, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest, published five days a week. One of the most sophisticated market participants that I know of in the NFT space. You can sign up for the newsletter that she publishes at thenifty.com. Looks like we have Ben Jammin on stage, one of the OG and most recognizable board apes, a new daddy. Love having him back. Love having him around. Easy Eats Bodega, the founder of a block or a PFP project soon to hit a blockchain near you. It's called, I'm not telling you that yet, but we got a name. You, you, you'll hear the name. You'll hear the name, everybody. He's also the host of GMGM Market Talk and Web3 Made Easy, a rising... It's called the Crazy Monkey Project. The Crazy Monkey Project, ladies and gentlemen. You just heard it. It broke. Hey, sorry, Easy. You didn't know that we were going to tell everyone. Easy is the founder of the Crazy Monkey Project. E- poop, poop throwing chimps is actually the real name. <laughs> poop throwing chimps. Uh, and the PFP that Easy has is from the Poop Throwing Chimps collection. I know it, it doesn't really fit, but it, it's juxtaposition. Everyone in the uh, in the creative field loves loves juxtapose and juxtaposition as a word. That's what we're doing there. Um, anyway, uh, check out Easy's content on uh, Twitter Spaces and on YouTube. He's crushing YouTube with the shorts and everything now. Uh, Bunny on stage. He's the owner of the number one overall best looking board ape yacht club, which is a pretty good claim to fame to have. Uh, he's one of the Easy's co-hosts and one of the uh, what. Nick disagrees, no, yeah. buddy. You're saying he's the best, like best looking yeah, ape. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is bullshit. I'm definitely not following your ass. There's no way that's oh, happening. Come on. No, nah, it ain't happening. <laughs> Sorry. Well, he's one of Easy's content partners in crime. Love seeing him get more and more uh, depth on the content side with Easy on the Twitter Spaces content and on the YouTube content. So love hearing all about that. Uh, King Kicks. The CEO of Crypto Raiders, the guy that won't sign up for our payroll system, and it's December thirteenth, so there's only seventeen more days, really less. Le- legit, there's like uh, 
multiple five figures on the line for kicks to like literally fill out a form. All he has to do, there's, this is the last opportunity for him to get those that money uh, this year and maybe ever because uh, the, it costs us a lot more money if we wait until next year. Kicks, are you going to come through and just click the fucking button and fill in the form? GM, GM. Yeah, I think I can squeeze it in today. <laughs> I, I DM'd him about it last night basically in a panic because I'm just like, this guy will not do it. And he just didn't respond. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to just have to announce this publicly on the show well, for him to understand. You thought I don't respond to messages. Kix was like, I'm going to take Nick's skills at non-response and I'm going to like just level that up to a whole other uh, degree. Our conversation on text messages is a very one-sided relationship, and uh, he's quite the flighty girl. Well, well, Nick, uh, you respond to all of my text messages, uh, often, often aggressively, uh, but you don't respond to anybody else's text messages. So that's a little bit different. You do respond to me, which Kix uh, doesn't seem to do. So there are differences there. But Kix, the intelligent degenerate, the CEO of Crypto Raiders, nobody made more uh, money during the 2021 bull market than him that didn't trade board apes. Love having him on the show. Love having him as a founder in the nifty. Spencer! The founder of Spencer Ventures, an NFT fund, a partner of Lofty Ventures. Uh, love having Spencer on the show. He took a couple days off, had to unwind from the madness that was our Basil. Spencer was about that life. I've been down that path before, Spencer. I've seen the darkness with my own eyes. You're a younger guy than me. You know, I totally understand that you have to go through that. But someday you'll you'll get out on the other end and you'll understand what the really important things are. And it's not the parties until six in the morning. It isn't all the girls, Spencer. It's uh it's the JPEG. So glad to have you back, buddy. You got a is good it, looking is it penguin. The morning Twitter spaces, is that the important thing? Uh, for, for me, yes. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, yes, I do have to do this every single morning. So I can't be out until uh, the wee hours of the night. I did the Friday of our Basel. Belle was basically making fun of me uh, essentially for not partying. She was like, what? Like, it's Friday night. You're in Miami. You know, how lame are you? You're not going to party. What? Like, what's going on? Uh, and then I end up drinking too much. And at the end of the night, I'm like, all right, well, I partied. And she's like, oh, I only had one drink. And I was like, what the hell is this? You're giving me a hard and, time. And P.O., you still, like, your voice is still, like, not 100%. It's still gone. I know. That that actually is borderline a concern. It's been, like, 10 days. Uh, maybe I just blew out my vocal cords. I'm going to get an MRI on my throat. It's also because, like, when you're like, good morning, you're, you're, like, literally, like, how much can I mess up my throat? Like, I actually feel my throat was just damaged. Uh, in the process of trying to uh, speak like you, we also have like breaking news going on. So like uh, we should uh, we should get to that. Okay, let me quickly wrap up the intros. We got Carlo. That's uh, at DeFi Defense Law. Carlo is a crypto criminal defense lawyer, meaning that he's he's probably in the running as somebody that could potentially defend SBF. I mean, he probably defends guys like Do Kwan. He defends Suzu. He defends uh, Kyle Davies or whatever his name is. Why do we have this guy on stage? Yesterday on the show, he was getting uh, basically fawned over by all the girls because he's yo. Even though he's on gear, he's, he's a fake natty like a lot of these guys in the NFT space are. And he's over here defending SBF. Why do we have this guy? Well, well what's going on here? <laughs> GM, PO. GM, Nick. 
So I wanted to jump back in and uh, provide any insights that I can uh, with respect to what's going on, inflation. on since we talked well, last night. Well, well uh, we on will, Carl. Hold on. I, I, was, I was giving you the intro. I was giving you a hard time. I thought you'd have some fun yeah. with it. Car Carlos, Whenever guy, you're ladies. ready. <laughs> Carlos is a good guy, ladies and gentlemen. Met him at our Basel. Uh, Yo, he responded person. like a lawyer would. And that's why I'm talking about this man is a legit legal professional. You know, yeah. that's what you're looking for. No, but like he actually is, he, he crushed it last night on the show that we did as, um, you know, the SBF news was breaking. So pumped to have Carlo on the show and he's definitely a good guy. Uh, B-check, uh, <clears throat> NFT writer, love to have writers on the show, love checking out your newsletter. And I know that you are the guy to talk to if people are looking to take advantage of airdrops. So definitely someone that watches the market closely. Love having B-Check on the show. Anyway, Nick, I want to throw to you. What's going on with this breaking news? What's up, buddy? Uh, well, we have breaking news that broke, like, I don't know, half an hour ago or something like that. So inflation came in under expected, uh, up uh, 7.1%. So it's, it's on the way down, down from uh, up at around 8. So that's uh, causing the uh, Dow futures to jump 2.23%. Uh, We're seeing uh, crypto actually uh, pumping as well. Um, BTC up 4%. Bitcoin up 4%. AVAX 7%. Uh, Sia coin, some of our favorites, never discussed on this show. Just thought I'd point it out. I see it there up 30%. Wow. Is that, uh, what is it? Sia coin? Sia coin, yep. Uh, ETH, though, up 5% at 1340. Absolute fucking rocket. That's the bit, one of the biggest uh, runners right now. ApeCoin facing some resistance uh, down at 4.15 off of uh, yesterday's high around uh, close of 4.4. Um, it's down under uh, selling pressure from... As expected, staking uh, came in as low as 3.93 today uh, before this inflation report came out, pushing it back up. Uh, nice to see that it has any strength whatsoever, uh, given that we're now in staking season. Um, but ETH, the bigger story here, I had bought some ETH last week uh, live on the show, and I'm feeling like a fucking genius. You know, one, f finally, finally, I get another win. It's been at least days since that happened and and you know it, it's it's looking good i'm liking the price action as well we're above a uh uh key range or what i would say is a relatively solid range here in the 1335 uh, region is where we're looking for a close above but anyways um that's the uh inflation report uh all well i don't know if we want to discuss that but uh it, it would also be useful to recap some of the sbf uh, action going on yeah, we'll, we'll discuss the inflation report. Uh, first, let's just dive in. So for people that uh, weren't paying attention to crypto Twitter, and apparently the mainstream media, my mom was telling me that on the mainstream media, they were also covering Sam Bankman-Fried's arrest. Who broke the news there? Uh, we, well, so ladies and gentlemen, it should be known, Nick was within eight minutes of having the very- Why is it now eight? Last night it was four. Now you're saying it's eight? Why is this number expanding? Are you trying to diminish me? No, no, let me Inflation. pull up. Inflation, Ben. So this guy, DB, uh, had the tweet at 635. Hey, look, let's ignore that guy. Your boy, Nick, broke the news, excluding that guy, DB, who basically broke it. I didn't even see the dude's tweet, and we missed it because P.O. Wa wanted to, uh, to deal with some- Is it all my fault, though? Some, Is it all uh, my fault? You acknowledged it last night on the show. Now okay, you're walking so, it back. So you're you're expanding. 
It was three minutes. So it was a three minute difference. So what I will say is it's yeah. certainly it's certainly my fault. I definitely took an extra three minutes of Nick's time uh, during that period because I was like trying to do business shit. And Nick was like, I think I gotta call this person. So that three minutes is on me. But it, apparently Nick could have had the news as as an uh, hour early earlier. As, an hour before, which would have been crazy. Okay, me- well, let's not dwell on that. Let's just get the to media the media gods would have been all over Nick. This delivery is just. I, I, I would like to like restate it. Let's pretend that PO said nothing there, and I'm just going to proceed. Last night we broke the news. This is how you do it, PO. Ready? <laughs> we have breaking news broken by us. Sam Bankman Freed was arrested. Uh, what we had last night, the story was his apartment building being surrounded by authorities. This was legit information that we had coming in. I, no lie from, uh, the prime minister's office. I had someone sitting in the prime minister's office directly adjacent to the prime minister. I am not fucking kidding about this. I'm talking to this guy on the phone. And I'm like, he's like, you're not going to tell anybody that uh, I was like, how do I know that this is real? And and he's like, bro, I'm seated next to the prime minister here. The, the radio is pl- is coming in right now from authorities saying we have approval to go in. And I'm like, what? So now like this guy's literally I'm hearing the radio in the background. Basically, they're like uh, they're, uh, his place is about to be surrounded. He's about to be arrested. And then the the other uh, piece of information uh, that he gave was was the process of what would go down. Now I don't know if we've seen any updates on whether or not uh, his Albany res, uh, residence um, was, uh, or sorry, uh, on whether or not he was actually extradited last night. That information I don't think has been reported. Maybe someone can uh, update me on this. But basically, what was going to happen was he. Uh, he was going to be escorted or brought in by local police who have jurisdiction over him, arrested for fraud, followed by the FBI. The FBI was going wants to fly him out and extradite him to the U.S. Uh, however, he has the option to stay in the Bahamas. But uh, if he does decide to stay in the Bahamas, he was going to be sent to Fox Hill Prison with hardcore prisoners, basically a place that you do not want to go. And there's a lot of people that lost money, including the gentleman who was speaking with me who had lost uh, $2 million. That was the situation uh, as of last night. When we were in the Bahamas, we had heard a story of an employee who had lost $10 million. But this guy, uh, there were a lot of people uh, that wanted to see him arrested. And that was the general sentiment last night was that this was great news to see this guy arrested uh, for crimes being committed um, there was also a report yesterday from the uh, acting CEO of FTX um, who uh, had testified to the U.S. Committee of Financial Services, House Financial uh, Services Committee. And uh, the, um, the things that he's uh, substantiated that uh, was a question that everyone was asking SBF were multiple things. He said that the uh, use of computer infrastructure gave individuals and senior management access to systems that stored customer assets without security controls to prevent them from redirecting those assets. The storing of certain private keys to access hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto assets without effective security controls. The ability of Alameda 
uh, to borrow funds held at FTX.com to be utilized for its own trading or investments without any effective limits. The commingling of assets, which is what people were asking about. The lack of complete documentation for transactions involving nearly 500 investments made with an FTX group uh, with FTX group funds and assets, the absence of audited or reliable financial statements, the lack of personnel and finance and risk management functions, the absence of independent governance throughout the FTX group, uh, and a number of other things that he was saying, um, including the fact that um, the the uh, something that Sam Bankman-Fried has repeatedly asserted pertaining to uh, FTX US. Uh, is that he was saying, I don't understand, you know, why people don't have access to their deposits. And the acting CEO is saying, uh, there's a reason for that. And uh, I stand by that decision to inc include it in the uh, uh, bankruptcy proceedings is because there wasn't a uh, line drawn between FTX.com and FTX US. And instead, uh, it was co-managed. Um, specifically he said FTX US was not operated independently of FTX.com. Chapter 11 protection was necessary both to avoid a run on the bank at FTX US and to allow our, uh, our team to identify and protect its assets. Uh, and since that original filing, I'm even more confident that this was the correct decision. Um, so all that that implies is that there are, there is the potential that FTX US depositors, uh, are, some of those deposits are at risk, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but that's the uh, that's the synopsis of what has gone down so far. Uh, the uh, the New York uh, district, uh, Southern District of New York, um, is apparently going to unseal the documents that they have uh, with this indictment um, this morning. Is what they were saying. Uh, so uh, I'd expect to see that sometime this morning. Um, I, honestly, I, I feel a little bad for him because there's no League of Legends in federal prison. There's even the best ones only have pickleball. And if you take one look at that guy's frame, he, he doesn't he's not going to do well in pickleball. Uh, he's going to get picked on like, no, he's going to get picked last. You know what I mean? <laughs> if there's a thousand people in that prison, like he's he's nine hundred ninety ninth on the court for pickleball. Like I would I would literally take like a one armed guy over him in pickleball. You know but what I mean? At least he can uh, eat some pickles. You know what I'm saying? As a vegan, I don't know if they uh, respect veganism in federal prison either. That's that's a big uh, question. They 100% do if it's for religious purposes, I would assume, because that's constitutionally protected. So his religion is one of uh, veganism. Got it. <laughs> well, that's the uh, that that's the the full breakdown with the information that we have right now. I'm going to see if uh, there's any update on whether or not um, SBF has actually been extradited. Uh, that would be a big story if he, uh, wasn't, um, flown. And I don't know, I'm assuming the proceeding went down last night. I mean, uh, unless they were, he was being held, uh, potentially, um, somewhere else other than, uh, the jail. I don't know if there's like some, uh, downtown jail. I'm assuming there is, um, where maybe he was being held, but, uh, I'm gonna see if I can get any updates on that. So we'll we'll throw to Carlo in a second uh, to understand the legal side of this because it is definitely uh, a big story, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to SBF. 
Uh, real quick, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this content, our show is sponsored by So Rare. So, So Rare is one of the biggest games in crypto with millions of registered users and hundreds of thousands of monthly active users. Not just crypto people, by the way, sports fans too. Think fantasy sports meets digital collectibles. Uh, in So Rare NBA at the beginning of the season actually had 100,000 users enter competitions in the first couple weeks. It's a free to play game. You can win NFTs as prizes and you can continue to build your lineups with the NFTs that you win as prizes or you can sell the NFTs for USD or ETH. Uh, so the prizes are interactive. You can go play games, meet players and all that uh, in real life too. So there's real life experiences. It's really dope. We're giving away a limited Jason Tatum NFT at the end of the month to someone who signs up with our link. It's pinned to the top, uh, the nifty.com slash so rare. Uh, Jason Tatum is a top three, top five NBA player right now. I know that because I'm from Boston and he plays for Boston, really came into his own. So that is a valuable collectible in the so rare ecosystem. So retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top. Sign up for so rare, the nifty.com slash so rare for a chance to win. Again, blockchain meets fantasy sports. Biggest fundraising round in European history uh, for so rare. Nick, I just saw you had your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, so the indictment uh, is uh, has been uh, revealed. I just pinned it to the top from the, the guy who beat me by a couple minutes yesterday. <laughs> Arch rival, my nemesis. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this guy. Okay, we're gonna investigate uh, the investigator here. Um, tier 10K. Uh, he posted it, so uh, there's a link. I pinned it to the top. You can check it out if you have any uh, interest in reading this. This is a pretty long document, uh, so I, I'll be uh, reading through that during the show. It looks like it's uh, 40 pages here, um, but um, uh, additionally. <clears throat> and they're using his own tweets and everything else. I mean, what a dumbass! Uh, for like, <laughs> this guy is. Uh, uh, it, it, they're going to be like, "Yep, open and shut case." Uh, we watched. Uh, as you can see in interview number three here, uh, this is where he com he admits to committing the crime. Uh, in interview number four, uh, he actually expands on the crimes that were committed here. Uh, and in interview number six and seven, uh, he like it's absolutely ludicrous his uh, approach to this. My last question, I reached out to the source uh, to see if I can get any update um, from within the Bahamas to see if he was uh, extradited. Uh, so I'll see if I can get that information as well. Um, but uh, yeah, at least uh, that information is now uh, up there. Information is up there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so Carlo... You are a criminal defense lawyer. What is the story? Like, what do you what do you make of what's going on right now? Yeah. Good morning, guys. So, Nick, what you what you posted up in the nest looks like it is a complaint that was filed by the CFTC. It's not the. Indictment. Oh, this is old. OK, dude, there we go. We're going to get the breaking news. Screw this guy, DB. <laughs> Let's go. So, yeah. Also, the SCC filed their own uh, complaint against uh, Sam, and I'll be happy to pin up that as well. But what's going to happen right now, guys, is, yes, he's going to have to make a decision about extradition. And there's a couple of ways it could happen. He could do it this morning in front of a judge, or maybe because it was such a high-profile situation, they could have brought, brought a, ju a judge in last night to do this. But if he overcomes the, the, the formality of extradition and he agrees to be extradited, then he's going to go and make his initial appearance. 
Uh, last night we were talking about what will happen at the initial appearance. He'll appear in front of a federal judge. He'll be advised of the charges against him. He'll plead not guilty to those charges, and then they'll take up the issue of pretrial release. Given the stunning amount of loss that's alleged in this case, his ties overseas, there would probably be a uh, very, very high bond that would be proposed, if any, by the government, if they're making a, a recommendation. But let's assume he gets released on a very high bond. They take away his passport. They limit his travel restrictions severely and put him on pretrial supervision. Then he's got to prepare for trial. The question that remains unanswered, guys, is what is he facing? We talked about it a little bit last night. We talked about the fact that wire fraud is a statutory crime, which carries a maximum of 20 years. I talked a little bit, Nick, about these sentencing guidelines and how they are based largely upon loss amounts. And given the loss amounts in this case, we're probably looking at a minimum of 10 to 20 years of guideline sentencing range per count. So where this gets very messy for Sam is when they unseal that indictment, if the government has filed multiple counts in that indictment, then a federal judge at the time of sentencing, if he is convicted after a trial or a plea, they could stack up those counts because the guidelines in this case are going to be off the charts, like I mentioned last night, given the loss amounts and all the other aggravating conduct that's alleged. So his sentencing guidelines are going to exceed 20 years. But if you stack up each of those wire fraud counts, if they do it that way, that's where you get into the Madoff type of a sentence. Madoff got 150 years in federal prison because his guidelines were off the charts. And the sentencing judge in that case has wide discretion to consecutively sentence him for each count. That's was where that, it gets really ugly in this case. Was that in the same uh, district where he was tried? Madoff, I, yeah, I believe Madoff was in the Southern District of New York. I'll well, double check that, but my recollection is yes. There we go. Uh, so first they get Madoff, then they get SBF. Uh, in terms <laughs> of uh, the, the uh, what was I gonna say? Um, I have no idea, man. The, <laughs> literally, the thought just literally passed right through my head. Uh, well, that was awesome. <laughs> that happens to sometimes on Easy Show. Easy throws to somebody that's been raising their hand, and then they're just like, "Honestly, man, I forgot what I was going to say." Throw to somebody else, <laughs> but you just did. You just grab the mic, and you're like, "Actually, I forgot what I was going to say." <laughs> uh, oh, I know what I was going to. I was going to ask: yeah. um, Is there? Um, where does this information, uh, like, where do these, when they, when the Justice Department unseals uh, the complaint, I'm assuming Twitter is not the first place they do that. What is the source that you turn to for that? Is it just justice.gov or like, uh, is, is there some feed somewhere that you're able yeah. to uh, track? No, it'll be justice.gov. Um, sometimes if you're lucky, you can catch it on the court's docket page, which is called pacer.gov. But because this is going to probably be uh, done in federal court at the initial appearance, it'll probably be a sealed indictment until the government makes a request of the court to unseal the indictment. And then the press will jump all over it. And then they'll do their own press release where they'll have a link to the indictment probably. Got it. Okay. So might as well just wait uh, until we see them basically tweeted out. Um, they were pretty quick last night uh, as the arrest was going down uh, to post that. I mean, they were just waiting for that tweet. They were like, yo, we're going to get some Twitter juice uh, on our SDNY News account. Uh, last night, they posted uh, that at 48,000 likes they got on that Damn. one. Damn. So, I mean, 
that's as good as you can get. I think that even beat the news of uh, SBF being uh, arrested. So SDNY, they're all about that Twitter uh, Twitter street cred. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I was going to say, if we're going to be competing with the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, because they're going to be like, wait a minute, we're not going to let these twi- these crypto bozos, you know, uh, get all this engagement. We're not going to let their numbers, all their impressions go through the roof. We're going to get that shit. We're in deep trouble, Nick. Yeah. Well, if we're competing with the U.S. government, it is definitely <laughs> a, um, it, it is a challenging uh, uh, organization to compete against. But um, I'm up for the challenge. I love it. Uh, so we got B-Check raising his hand. B-Check, you used to be a lawyer. Are you trying to discredit some of the things that Carlo said? Are you implying that you are a better lawyer than Carlo is? B-Check, please take it away. Absolutely not. Um, I, I, had, I had a couple of questions about US law because I used to practice commercial litigation in London. Um, one of the things I thought that was super interesting is that there were so many kind of conspiracy theories going around a while ago that you know he's going to get away with it people aren't doing anything and i just think it's really interesting that all of these things these three separate claims are hitting today um and these are big documents like the sec claim i'm reading through at the moment is 28 pages this cftc one is 40 pages and i know from experience because i used to write these sort of documents like they take ages and ages to write so um i think my question is what do you make carlo of this kind of coordinated uh coordinated uh, filings and is it typical for these people to work together uh when doing when going about something like this it is uh, very typical and i'm not at all surprised by it because the sec in addition to bringing the securities lawsuit that they just filed and the cftc they can make referrals to the department of justice for criminal investigation so the the first question you know, people commenting that he's he's going to get away with this. He's donated all this money, and he's not going to get he's not going to get prosecuted. I found that to be highly unlikely in this case because this is again Bernie Madoff level allegations. If you read that SCC complaint that I pinned up in the nest, it portrays a stunning picture of alleged fraud, deception, and use of investor funds. Basically, the allegations are that he was allocating. Uh, funds that were investor funds from FTX uh, holders and investors into Alameda, which is another company that he controlled. And they were concealing the origin of those loans. They were then using those loans to give themselves loans to purchase assets. That roadmap that's in that complaint, guys, is a stunning summary of what's going on in this case. It's allegations. And I 100% respect the presumption of innocence, but what's alleged in there is is pretty jaw dropping. You should give it a read. Do you think it's like life sentence jaw dropping? Yeah, I, I if 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 the loss amounts, and this is the problem when you're looking at white collar criminal fraud cases, it's largely driven by loss amounts. Loss amounts are subject to interpretation. There's actual loss, there's foreseeable loss, but if you go just on the very rough con- contours of $10 billion in loss of investor funds that were diverted from FTX to Alameda, and then when everyone called in their loans on Alameda because they were concerned and the whole thing crashed, those $10 billion loss numbers would trigger the guidelines I was talking about. And when you compound those with multiple counts in an indictment, if that's the way the government goes, then this sentencing judge is going to have latitude to sentence him 
to, quite frankly, uh, the rest of his life if the court sees that that's appropriate. I would also say uh, this isn't just a white collar crime. This is a, a collarless uh, sort of T-shirt based crime is what I think that this is uh, involved in. Poorly dressed. Well, this might be hoodie. This might be hoodie crime. Hoodie crime might be the new moniker for this. <laughs> uh, that's that's a strong possibility. Yeah. Sweatpants and sweatshirt crime uh, with a vegan diet and uh, some like alternative Adderall like drugs. B check. You got your hand raised. Then we'll move on from the F SBF situation. What's going on, B check? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Reading through the SEC thing, this paragraph in particular stood out to me um, because people have always alleged like, oh, you know, these people don't get it. They don't, they don't know what's going on. They don't understand this stuff. This is just to give the flavor of the language being used. They said, uh, Bankman-Fried thus gave Alameda carte blanche to use FTX customer assets for its own trading operations. In essence, Bankman-Fried placed billions of dollars of FTX customer funds into Alameda. He then used Alameda as his personal piggy bank to buy luxury condominiums, support political campaigns, and make private investments amongst other, other uses. None of this was disclosed to FDX equity investors or to the platform's trading customers. So I think they do get it, and they're, they're you know, putting that case pretty, pretty strongly. Thank you for the weigh-in, B-Check. Got two, well, one active lawyer, one former lawyer on stage. That's the type of content you can expect on days like this on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Moving on, I think it's appropriate to run through our weather report if Signal is ready for that. Um, you know, we run the, oh, Sig, what's going Yo, on? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just stupefy everything and say the way he gets extradited will tell if the case is like, easy and he ends up in like an easy prison or if it's hard so you have to look does he go to the u.s like bane from batman like with the handcuffs around the chair and with a mask and like this is a dangerous guy or do a they just mask. put him on a cruise ship and the cruise ship is like from the bahamas to the caribbean to the u.s and then he ends up in an easy <laughs> prison so that's my lawyer insight into how the trial will go down I, I love when criminals are extradited on a cruise ship, uh, preferably a Disney cruise ship. Disney, uh, of course. And I loved the Caribbean staff members of that cruise ship as portrayed by Signal. When Signal does accents, it always brings a smile to my face. Um, yes, we'll have to see if SBF is treated as a dangerous criminal and if people are scared of his presence. That will be very interesting. Uh, I don't know if I would be. I would feel like he's the type of person that I could kind of roll up into a ball and kind of just push down a hill and get him away from me. But Signal, very interested to hear what's going on with the weather, and then I will follow up with the Nikki Daily you, Digest. How do you, Oh, you would roll him into a ball? Yeah, just kind of I, I thought you were rolling ball. into a ball, and I was like, how do you push when you're in ball form? Okay, so you, you thought that I was going to hit him with a little Imanari roll, Ryan Hall style. That's for all the BJJ guys in the crowd. Niche audience. That's a joke there, for niche there, audience. Literally, ever, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nobody in the audience. That's a joke for nobody. Please, Nobody. Anyway. Yeah, I'll I'll take it away because the NFT markets have been good to us in these last 24 hours. GMGM Tuesday, the 13th of December, OpenSea volume coming in at around eight and a half million, while Blur down from its weekend highs at 15 million. Onto leaders, not much change, but Clonex has gone back to its significant seven ETH floor price. And over the past 24 hours, let's dig in. So Valhalla still leading OpenSea at number one. It is now at a one ETH floor, so it's, it's actually reached an all a new all-time high. 
However, what's more interesting is Degen Tunes. This is a project back from, I think, February earlier this year, which has been steadily climbing over the past few days. Trended at number one on OpenSea, got swept by a well and then broke above one ETH. Congratulations to the REC team for breaking one ETH again. The one ETH floor was a significant milestone for that community, as at this level is when the artist OSF promised to get a REC tattoo, followed by many others amongst the community, and even saw Ian Rogers, the chief experience officer at Ledger, also getting a REC tattoo. On to the podcast world. Well, uh, Cockpunch is tumbling from its highs, but it did push back up after Tim Ferriss announced the reveal of clans, four new podcast episodes, and more surprises along the way. It had some volume yesterday, and Cockpunch is now holding a 0.7 ETH floor this morning. And lastly, on to art. Well, if you are holding and wondering why Max Payne is also heading to a 1ETH floor, it's because the memes by Punk6529, he announced that the last meme card of season one will be an X-Copy meme, which has kicked off sales on the Max Payne collection, as it could be an allow list entry, but that's not confirmed. Floor on Max Payne was 0.82. On to crypto, we spoke about, we, we spoke about that. It's uh, up only after the CPI print. Let's see if this holds for the rest of December. So overall, we have crypto in the green, one ETH walls being smashed by Degen Tunes, Rectgar, and Valhalla. So the market is looking pretty healthy, uh, especially as all the action is concentrated in the sub one ETH range. The leaders for now are staying fairly quiet, but we'll see if something comes up towards the end of the month. So for now, it's been a while, but the 24 hour forecast looks like it's clear skies with outbursts of sunshine. Back to you folks. Absolutely fantastic weather report, as usual, Signal. Just some other updates from the Nifty Daily Digest, which is the newsletter that's published by Signal five days a week. You can subscribe at thenifty.com. Uh, Evan Luza, the co-founder of Cool Cats, announced that he is pivoting to an advisory role within the organization. Luza tweeted, through the journey with the cats, I've also realized I've missed the ability to incubate and start my own projects, and scaling is a much different beast than launching a project. So we'll see what comes of Cool Cats after Evan's transition, and we'll also see what Evan is able to bring to the Web3 space, assuming that he's going to continue to work in Web3. Uh, Signal already pointed out that XCopy launched a Christmas meme competition. XCopy in the news in a couple different ways. We're going to talk about that. On the Solana side, the top trending project, Clanosaurs, has started airdropping claymakers to delisted holders. So far, the highest individual sale came in above market expectations with a limited edition claymaker selling for 100 sold. That's pretty damn good. So an airdropped asset that got dropped to the original holders that didn't have their uh, NFT listed sold for 100 sold. Not bad. Uh, last but not least, Solana's most trusted verification tool, Matrika Labs or Matrika Labs announced a collaboration with Discord. The update will make it safer and easier for users to verify themselves on Discord. I don't really know if that's big news, uh, but we talked about it. Uh, as far as any other updates, this is actually coming from the homie B check. Valhalla had an all time high sale of 27 ETH. So as Signal pointed out, in the past 24 hours, Valhalla's floor is up approximately 30% to over one ETH with over 1,000 ETH of new volume. 
That is pretty crazy. And there's a snapshot coming up for an Ar Armory token airdrop that's been announced for today at 3 p.m. Eastern time. What we know is the Armory token will be airdropped on a one per Valhalla NFT held basis. You're going to need the original Valhalla NFT to use the Armory token. So they don't want that floor to dump afterwards. And there will be three more Armory token airdrops coming. So five total airdrops for the total supply of 45,000 Armory tokens. Uh, the description provided is this is a shiny token. The use case is unknown. Supply is limited and deflationary. The Valhalla Reserve cannot make the token printer go burr. So basically, uh, the perfect copy to appease the NFT space. They literally called it a shiny token. And that's what NFT people like. The use case is unknown. NFT people don't want to know what the use case is. They want speculation. They said the supply is limited and deflationary. What more could you want? So right now, the Armory token is trading at 0.05 ETH. I wonder if that could be a play. A lot of times, number go up on the low number collection in a hot collection. Moonbirds are teasing an X-Copy collab. X-Copy's everywhere right now. The visuals in the Moonbirds teaser video suggest that X-Copy could be collaborating with the date given as December 15th. That's the day after tomorrow. The reaction from Nucci, we know him. The head of partnerships at Premen and the host of the Nucci show notices the similarity in the visuals with X Copy's Discord photo. So Nucci's hot on the trail. And as Signal pointed out, X Copy is going to drop meme card number 47 in Punk 6529's collection of the memes. The meme season one will finish this Friday, December 16th, with its 47th and final card, a card produced by X Copy. The snapshot block will be on Wednesday the 14th, so tomorrow at approximately 11 p.m. Eastern Time with a randomization block three hours later to determine which meme card holders will get airdropped or allow listed for the mint. So those are your updates. We'll have uh, a little bit more to talk about on all those fronts, but appreciate Signal and B-Check, uh, you know, kind of preparing that information for us. I want to ask Easy, I want to ask Spencer, I want to ask Kix what they think of the inflation report and oh. the market's reaction to it. Oh, Nick, go ahead. Before you do that, a couple of things. One, uh, I posted, uh, it's important that today's sponsor, you don't know this, P.O., the investigator is sponsoring this show. Oh, wow. uh, it's, it's posted to the top. Uh, that's a video. We've been doing deep um, research and investigation work and this sort of long-form journalism took P.O. and I the entire weekend to actually uh, commit to it uh, or to produce it. Uh, and, and that's how much time it takes for us to uh, get on. It's difficult, but for us to get on our bikes and, you know, proceed forward and uh, it's challenging. And so if you want to support it, just retweet it. We don't got to do anything. Just retweet it. It's pinned to the top. The other thing I was going to say is I said uh, last week that I was going to give away a portal to um, NFT holders or sorry, to uh, newsletter subscribers. And uh, I didn't select it. So I'm doing that right now. Um, if uh, I'll, I'll pick it before the end of the show um, and then send out to that winner uh, their free portal. Um, but you have to uh, you have to subscribe on the site. It's at the nifty.com. That's the email that we end up uh, publishing all this information in. It's, it's at thenifty.com. 
T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. Just go there, enter your email, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, we're going to be giving out multiple portals before the end of the year uh, to subscribers. So subscribe there. There's going to be even bigger giveaways coming. So uh, maybe even our new PFP. You never know. Uh, I'll give you a hint, ladies and gentlemen. We want you to go on the new and subscribe to the newsletter. So we're going to give people stuff that subscribe to the newsletter. Why do you got to explain <laughs> you, you explain the marketing I strategy? The I broke the rule. You're supposed to be like, it's unknown what you'll receive if you subscribe to the newsletter, right? No. What I'm saying is you, you were just like, here's how we're going to manipulate you into uh, <laughs> subscribing. Yeah, that's the goal. So we'll, we'll give you things for free and you get free information. So it's not really, a, there's it's no cost. Direct to your inbox, all the NFT updates in the market. Anyways, enough about that. Enough about that. Uh, so Spencer, easy kicks. What do you make of the inflation report? We're seeing a positive reaction from the market. You, do we think that it will sustain kicks? You have no, your hand raised. I, I just wanted to also say, you know, I it's it's diminishing when you don't include my macroeconomic takes because I studied this in uh, university, PO. I don't know if you, you're aware of this. While you were studying engineering, your boy was studying economics. But let's go on to kicks. Go, please proceed, sir. Uh, awesome. Thank you very much. I'm pretty sure you went to a college, not a university. But I mean, we're splitting the hairs on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the inflation numbers definitely look uh, much better. Um Year over year, it's 7.1%, but month over month, it's only uh, 0.1%. Um, and, you know, the the goal for the Fed is like, you know, two, two and a half percent inflation a year. So uh, it's even below that. And it's interesting because uh, people like Elon Musk and then uh, Kathy from ARC, although she's gotten trashed in the last year, have been saying that they think that the real risk uh, because of all of the tightening isn't even inflation now, it's it's actually um, uh, deflation. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, inflation coming back down, uh, you know, seems like it would be great for uh, crypto and NFTs and all of that. Um, and that's why we're seeing that, that uh, positive reaction. Um, is the Fed meeting tomorrow, right, where they'll announce uh, what they're going to be raising rates-wise? So I think that'll be pretty interesting to... Um, see if they like, you know, signal that um, they're actually going to make a pivot. A couple days ago, I was I was thinking that um, it would be interesting if we had lower inflation than the Fed indicates that they're going to pivot and we have a rally throughout the end of the year, uh, but then maybe have some more volatility ahead uh, with earnings next year because uh, inflation coming down and uh, uh, but rates still being elevated. Uh, isn't necessarily great for, uh, you know, the the actual uh, economy. Um, but yeah, it's great to see everything up now. But I mean, I think that the, you know, the, the future could still be choppy. Love to hear it. Love the analysis from Kicks. Easy. And then I'll throw to Spencer. Easy. What are you thinking about? Uh, yeah, I think tomorrow will be a big day for the market as a whole. Um, I'm going to probably stable up some of my crypto holdings today. With this pump, I don't think it's going to be sustained. Macro conditions still kind of ugly. So I think that this is going to be a, a short-lived pump going into the holiday season. Consumer spending in general, I think, will be down across the board. So the inflation report is good, but the kicks his point, like, it's still not great in macro conditions. Okay, Spencer, what do you think? I mean, I think if tomorrow the, the Fed wants to bless us all with a bag pump... <laughs> 
it's it, it's possibly in the cards, right? Like if they only hike twenty five basis points, so that they hike less than was expected. But I think like the reason we're rallying today is because people think that the um, you know the better than expected inflation numbers will cause the Fed to be like, all right, maybe we can like be a little bit less aggressive. I think that's probably hopium, but like if that happens, like I think we see like sixteen hundred dollar ETH again. Like we're just we pump through the end of the year. It's Christmas time. We get to relax, enjoy time with our families. If the Fed does not do that and uh, hikes as expected, then I think we're probably just going to kind of like stay range bound. Like we've been range bound from this 1200 to 1300 range, kind of the lower end for quite a while. We're popping over 1300. I think we may stay range bound between 13 and 1400 if they hike as expected. And nightmare scenario, which I think is fairly unlikely given this, and I think that's actually more the pump you see right now was if the inflation numbers had been above expected, they could have had higher than expected rate hikes. Um, and so that is pretty much, I think, de-risked at this point. Like I can't see why they, at this point they would do greater than expected rate hikes. But if they do that, then uh, I think we retest the lows that happened around FTX. Like we, we go down very, very, very low to like 1100. So I, I think there's a lot of upside here. I'm cautiously optimistic, um, but probably... You know, it's one of like the market is always right with known information. And so if you like a lot of people who don't like trading Fed meetings have de-risked. Like you see this in public markets. So it is totally a fair play to take that short, put that hedge on, swap that ETH to USDC. If you just don't want to trade this, you're comfortable with your US dollar position. Um, because like really this is one of those moments where nobody has more information than like there's no way that you as a retail trader have more information. Like, you probably have less information. And so you're basically gambling. It's probably a 50-50 split on things going up or like staying range bound or going down a little bit. I do, again, I don't think there's as big a chance of the like big, big downward correction, but you never know. But like, I don't know, the market's always right. Like you don't have more information in the market when it comes to something like ETH. When it comes to something like NFTs, maybe you do. Maybe you got that sweet, sweet alpha. But when it comes to ETH, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> well put, very well put. Uh, one question: Do you think that the positive jobs report that we got in the, the you know the employment situation over the past month and the fact that real estate hasn't corrected at the deep level I think a lot of people have expected given the macroeconomic conditions? Do you think that those two things are factors to keep in mind, or do you think it's just pure play? Don't fight the Fed. Whatever they do, boom. Those things only matter in the degree to which they contribute to the Fed's decisions, right? Like, I think with real estate, you know, you see like interest rates are going to be high, even if they stop increasing at, at a rate, like they're still increasing, right? So real estate like will correct. I think that there's there's no doubt in my mind that that will happen. Real estate is always lagging in it, in doing that. But like you're effectively paying twice as much for what, you were, what you're getting right now than you were last year. Like there's no way, like I don't know if it, goes down 50% to reflect that, but it's going to go down. Like it just has to is, is my view. Um, but like when it comes to the Fed's decisions, um, you know, I think we'll probably see softer language. Like there's, there's, there's another side of this too, of just like general sentiment, which is it matters kind of literally what they do, but it also matters the way in which they talk about what they do at the press conference. And that's where like you see a lot of volatility around j spitting some bars um, every time he steps up to speak. And I think, you know, the move is usually don't trade while he's talking. <laughs> um, but 
there's just like he may just give us all a Christmas gift. You know, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed for that one. Maybe it's hopium, but could happen. I love I, I, I love what Spencer is saying about that because it's so true. Because if you watch like on Twitter, people that are like tweeting out what Jay Powell says, it's almost like he intentionally says like when he writes his speeches that he says like a negative thing and then a positive thing and then a negative thing and then a positive thing. It's like, yeah, inflation's going down. It's looking really great, but we're really uh, aggressive on inflation and we're going to beat the crap out of it no matter what it takes. But, you know, the, uh, you know, yada, 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 then a negative, then a positive. It's pretty funny. The, the best was the one where he was like, yeah, like we are optimistic we will get inflation under control, but there will be pain. <laughs> <laughs> Do, I mean, the bars are act, actually pretty hilarious. I do feel like it'll go down in history with like a documentary or something. Because, uh, I mean, do brace for pain, you know, more pain to come. Like, is this dude running, uh, you know, our central bank or is this dude literally a villain in Die Hard? It's pretty funny to think about. I want to hear what Carlo thinks. I want to hear more from Kick Spencer Easy. Hey, fuck it, Bunny too, since he's got the best looking board ape. I want to hear, uh, you know, from af- absolutely everybody. Real quick, uh, uh, Nick, are are you there? Are you there, Nick? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. uh, and, and I'm plugging into my mic. Hold on. Okay. Well, what I was going to ask I'm, you, I'm, Nick, I'm, is I'm live. I'm live here. Uh, are you asking for my macroeconomic uh, take on sit- on the situation? Look, I'm going to ask for that in just a second. What, what, real quick, what I wanted to ask first is, did you know okay. that before <laughs> NFTs, did you know that before NFTs, stamps okay. were among some of the biggest collectibles? Did you you're, know that? You're, I appreciate your reading of this. I actually did because I used to collect stamps. So I don't know if you know this. I had a stamp collection book. That's how old I am. Well, look at that. Um, I, I can't say I'm surprised because they were some of the biggest collectibles. Uh, For example, hey guys, guys, breaking news. Uh-oh. Oh, we, we got, got breaking, breaking news breaking interrupting news. what what we, was sponsorship supposed to be a sponsorship. <laughs> but give us the breaking news, Carla. I know you want to hear this. I just got this from a shared uh, and trusted colleague in the space. Pinned it up. Uh, the indictment's been unsealed. It's up there. There we go. Carlos, Carlos racing it. against me. The, the, look at this. <laughs> I, I I invite you into the circle, Carlo. I invite you into the circle, and now you're racing against me on the tweet with the indictment. This guy. I broke it on your show. This guy. Okay, I could have oh. broke it on my oh. show. Carlo, I broke it on your show. Carlo blessed you, Nick. He blessed you with this information Hello? in front of this audience. He, he, uh, Oscar, we're gonna throw it to you in a second. You gotta you gotta chill out. For Yo, a you gotta chill out, player. <laughs> anyway, um, so Nick, you know, as I just mentioned, stamps were among the biggest collectibles. Well, what a transition! What? <laughs> hey, thanks for that that information, Carlo. Back to stamp collecting, real quick. Look, our sponsor, it's a copy official. You got to follow him on Twitter. Well, there was uh, another sponsor. I know. I'm I, no to copy no, is the sponsor. I, I, no, I just want to let people in the audience understand the context of this as you just dive in because it was so abrupt. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he was trying to make it natural, but here's to copy is another sponsor of the show. We have so many fucking sponsors. It's insane. Like it's actually a challenge. <laughs> We're like, stop throwing money at a face. It's so difficult, <laughs> but this is the other one, which is all about stamp collecting. What you what you skimmed over there 
was the rarest that came from Austria. Do you remember there was an NFT collection, uh, the, an early ERC20 uh, uh, NFT collection that was based on stamped? Uh, I, do, I don't remember, but you know, that sounds juicy. It, it, was, it was a classic, but it's not the same as uh, to copy. But actually, no, this is the Austrian post that they're referring to. This may be, this may be uh, related to that, to that OG. Um, Read the copy, Nick. That OG <laughs> NFT. Uh, look, here's the deal. I'll, okay, I'll read it. The, uh, uh, Oscar, mute. The Austrian post, Oscar's about to get thrown off this stage in a violent <laughs> way. rolled down the hill. Breaking his ankle in the process of it. The Austrian post I like how it's written who are considered OG in the crypto space. Oh, there you go. Exactly what I was talking about. Because of the several NFT stamp collections released in 2019, they've released a new collection. It is associated, which is a modern reinterpretation of the Mercure. The Mercure, for those that weren't aware, is the rarest and most valuable stamp in Europe. Most people don't know that. But true stamp collectors do know that. Uh, and P.O., I am a true stamp collector. I don't know where my stamp books are anymore, but I'm sure my mom still has hers as well. Uh, the project is called Crypto Stamp Art and Primal Cipher, Austria's most successful NFT artist, who I've heard of before, is behind the design's reinterpretation. So you can head over to tokapi.com, T-O-K-A-P-I.com until the 31st of December. I may pick up one of these because I like myself some stamps. Uh, each box that you can pick up contains four NFTs accompanied by color values distributed with different frequencies and varying rarity, a special stamp block, and a physical trading card. Let me, that's what I'm talking about. I want a physical trading card and a limited art print by Primal Cipher. How much are these? We should have had, we should have that information. I'm interested in grabbing one of these. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm legit interested. You can head over to tokapi.com, T-O-K-A-P-I.com, uh, if you want to grab that. You can sign up, damn, with like Google and stuff. I don't That's cray-cray. Um, check it out, T-O-K-A-P-I.com. Uh, thanks for that information. Uh, Follow Tokapi underscore official, T-O-K-A-P-I underscore official. Shout out to our sponsor today, Tokapi, and shout out to Nick for that elite level sponsorship read. That was that was crazy. Uh, so we got kicks on stage. I'm going to let this guy, Oscar, that's been demanding to come on stage uh, and to turn the show into a dumpster fire for 30 seconds, but then we'll probably boot him off. Uh, kicks, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Uh, sorry for the dead space there, P.O., um, yeah, just had a, a quick question for anyone on stage, but Spencer's been uh, trading NFTs really well over the past month or two. If we get uh, a really bullish uh, outcome from the FOMC tomorrow, and let's say Ethereum goes to like that 1600 level, which makes a lot of sense to me, what uh, do we think that that uh, creates like a relative pullback in ETH on NFTs? Or because of that like bullishness uh did, does uh the nft prices stay stable or even move up as ETH moves up i i think it, in general i would think that they would cause a pullback but there's also something really interesting going on right now in the overall nft market with the impact of how the like incentivized bids on blur work so i think like i have yanked a lot of my bids ahead of tomorrow because i think if eth runs really hard we'll see a lot of people like 
selling into high bids. We saw a little bit of that this morning. The bid, like there was about a thousand ETH of like BAYC bids that got chewed through. So a lot of um, a lot of people were just selling into the slight pump in ETH right here. Um, I think I don't think that 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 those bids would be able to like support for any meaningful amount of time. But if ETH runs, I think we see a lot more like bid acceptance volume on Blur very quickly. And I think if you are optimizing for the Blur airdrop at this point, I would not have um, high bids going into tomorrow. I think the risk reward is not worth it because you're going to see a lot of them get accepted. And if there is a true repricing, which does tend to happen around this kind of volatility, then um, then you know it, it kind of just it, we'll see some floors go down. The, the probably the best outcome for NFTs specifically in ETH prices is for tomorrow there to be sort of like as expected changes. And we just kind of stay range bound through the end of the year. Crab walking markets, like crab markets or whatever, like those tend to be the um, the best environments for NFTs. So I'm feeling pretty comfy with a healthy split between ETH and NFTs. I think even if NFTs go down in ETH prices due to ETH ripping, they're probably still going to be up significantly in US dollar prices. So I'm not sweating it too much. Um, I think, you know, we'll see like maybe apes go from 66 to 60 is kind of the order of magnitude that might happen there. But if, if ETH goes from 1300 to 1600, then like, you know, that's still probably a net positive change in, uh, in, in dollar prices. I love the analysis, Spencer. We're going to have some follow-up uh, discussion on that. Bunny has his hand raised. What's going on, Bunny? Yeah, I just had a question for Carlos since he broke the news on, on the unsealed indictment. I, I was just wondering if you could tell us exactly how many years SBF was going to go to jail for. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is looking like, um, and first of all, you know, it came from a website that was shared by a colleague to me. So I haven't seen a press release from the DOJ yet, but that website does characterize this as an unsealed indictment that they've put out there. So let's presume for, let's presume for, now that that is the legit indictment, it looks very legit to me, and it's been published on the web. There may so, be questionable sources involved here. We got whoa, this from an inside source at the whoa, Justice James, Department, son, only seen here. This? Uh, this is, uh, thank you to our source, Carlo. You're going to have to leave now, but we, we'll take it from here, Carl. Um, the, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so, you know, I, I haven't seen the official press release from the DOJ, but this indictment has been shared on the web lawyer colleague of mine shared it with us and uh, here it is so if 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 we're looking at multiple counts of wire fraud which this indictment does allege and like i explained earlier if those multiple counts all carry the loss numbers that we've been speculating on if a sentencing judge stacks the sentences runs them consecutive as to each of those then we are looking at Madoff type sentencing range here. Damn. All right. Well, we'll have to see what happens. So ladies and gentlemen, every once in a while, I like to make this show a little bit of a dumpster fire for only like 30 seconds. It, it brings some color into the day. Uh, this gentleman, Oscar had requested to speak and yeah, he kept unmuting. It sounds like he's just ready to rock right out the gate. Oscar, you're on a show you've never listened to before. You said it says that you're a market trader. Every time I muted you, you immediately unmuted. After I kicked you off stage, you requested to speak again. Welcome but, back. Oscar. Welcome back. Whatever is on your chest, let's get it off. What's going on, Oscar? Hey, hello. You're bursting at the seams. Okay, hello. Good morning. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, uh, 
add some uh, comments to everyone if you trade in SP500 indices and even gold. Listen, I just only wanted to give everyone to a quick update and don't get cut off on the fake up move of uptrend. Why do I say that? Because uh, I focus more a lot on finding out what the banks and institutions are basically doing, like BlackRock, Vanguard, uh, JP Morgan, all of those guys, uh, according to the CFTC report, these last uh, previous weeks, on October 4, before they dropped the market, they were accumulating short positions. Now, on the first week of October, which is on October 4, they start taking profits from the previous selling uh, orders. Now, price move up. Then one of the uh, used to be working for uh, Wall Street. His name is Kenny. I forgot his last name. So he says the banks and institutions on one week before uh, October 4, the first week of uh, October, they added $10 billion in long positions. Now, what they're doing right now, basically at the level where indices, uh, US 30, SP 500, NAS 100, the level where they are right now, if you check on, on, on your chart, it's basically at the level where in April and May, they added like 20,000 selling contracts. Now, I've been monitoring this. So, so, one sec so Oscar, I'm just going to pa pause you for one second right there. Uh -huh. I think this is the first on the show. Hold on. Uh -huh. Hold on. I think that this is a oh, oh, hold on. Yes. I think this is a first. Oh, oh. Hold on. Hold okay, on. we get it, P.O. Just I, say well, the same. Coming in. I think this is the first on the show where somebody so desperately wanted to come on stage mm -hmm. to basically just provide their analysis and is literally bursting at the seams. I feel the energy coming out of you. You want to get the last thoughts out. Mm -hmm. So let's let's get a little bit of a wrap mm -hmm. that's a little bit uh, you know, kind of concise. I, I like that you're you're here, you're not promoting anything, mm -hmm. you're just literally like, you know, I need to give my market analysis. It's interesting, I'm fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oscar, why don't we get a little concise kind of uh, conclusion here? Mm -hmm. He's saying don't buy into the pump because it's going to dump. Exactly, exactly. Why do I say that? Because uh, I was monitoring this uh, market on indices because I focus more on indices, on trading every day. But basically I focus more at which levels, banks and institutions, like I was saying, BlackRock, Vanguard, which is two of the major uh, uh, companies, they own $20 trillion. They move the market. They're the ones. If you check, I don't want to get into much detail, but all I can tell you is that careful on indices. This last week, three weeks ago, the selling positions to the CFTC report, you go to the web government website, you will find out that three weeks ago, there were only from 12,000 short positions, they increased it to 13,000. It's still not enough. But this last week, they added 16,000 short positions, and it makes a lot of sense at the level where indices are right now. You see what I mean? So what do we expect? Fake so, up so so what's the ratio of long to short right now? I believe I believe right now. Right now US uh, look at the levels. Uh, I, no, not believe. Uh -huh. you, you just gave me the number. You said it increased by another 13,000 for the shorts. So what, what how many longs are there? How many longs are there are only 10,000. Only 10,000. You see what I mean? So there's more shorts than longs exactly, right now is what you're saying. Exactly. That's how they play the market. So, so, so the options market is expecting the market to go down. Exactly. Yes, it is. It, there is a lot of excellent. You know, there is a lot of fake out. Look, let's be honest. Every retail trader doesn't have enough capital to move the market. You know, you need to at least you need to have at least ten million dollars to move the market. Which most of the speakers here have. Exactly. So what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. So what no, no, no need to be sorry. Oscar, I'm fascinated by you. I think you're the most interesting guest we've ever had on the show. Mm. If we didn't pause you at any point, how long would you have just gone with your analysis? Would, have been, would it have been over an hour? Okay. What I no, I'm do, asking. I'm asking. What I would do, go to the uh, CFTC report on the government website on the Treasury Department. Then this last week, we have the first increase of selling positions from 13,000 from three weeks, four weeks ago. This last week, when the market dropped, they added, they increased it to 16,000 shares. Now, what do I expect? I want to see how this week ends. And then by Friday, when they publish it on their website, what's the new positions on, on, on selling? If I see Excellent. A, a continuation of, of, or an increase of selling positions, that means they preparing a move to drop the market and they're going to fake everyone. It doesn't matter the news so much. You know, it's not, not the market manipulators are preparing exactly. to turn the market yeah. downward. Oscar uh -huh. is on the case. Thank you, Oscar, for coming on. Thank you for not listening to anything that Pio was saying. This is uh, this is uh, insight uh, you can only get from checking out. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the website that you went to, to, to get that, but you can check out the options, uh, mm -hmm. uh, us it options sounded, website, whatever yeah, it is it to get like those counts. The main source was a guy named Kenny. So you definitely like to hear that. Um, you know, what I'll say is Oscar, I think you need your own show for sure, mm. because it is, it, it is like a talent to be able to kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, hold the attention solo. Nick's mm -hmm. good at it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it, mm -hmm. but thank you for coming on the show, Oscar. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm gonna take you off the stage, buddy, just because I don't believe that you'll stay muted if we put you. I, on I just muted I, him. He unmuted. There you he go. He unmuted immediately. I okay. do not believe that you will stay muted. Yeah, I removed him from speakers. Yeah, Oscar, <laughs> I, thanks for joining, dude. What a great guy. Thanks for that insight. We it actually was good insight. He just didn't understand how to operate on his space. He just plows into it. He, it's like a guy running into a room and literally like. Everybody, everybody, the options market is saying that the that the indices are going to go down. Listen to me. I, I want to make sure I follow them. And, and, then, uh, and then they're also going to proceed to be like, then he's going to give, continue listening while I provide my analysis of that situation. It was good analysis, though. Thank you for coming on, uh, uh, Oscar. And uh, I, yeah, that's that's crazy. Was... Did we have a tweet from Tokapi or no? Uh, I'm going to follow up with you on that. I want to make sure I follow Oscar because that's just, it's just so fascinating to me. He's like, no, no, you're going to hear my good analysis right the fuck now. Like, I'm going to hit you with my good, good analysis. And I don't have an ulterior motive. I'm not trying to promote anything. I'm going to fucking analyze. Like, that was just hilarious. I, I don't know. Spencer, you have your hand raised. What's going on, amigo? Yeah, I do have a comment, though, on something that, that he was saying, which is like, I don't know that I agree with the conclusions drawn here. Like, I think that, like, when you see institutional capital go risk off, as we're seeing right now, like, usually that just kind of means, like, like, they're, and this is, again, I think, like, a lot of NFT traders should learn from this, is, like, if you're not trading, like, Fed meeting vol, then just don't trade Fed meeting vol. And so a lot of people who are, like, okay, I'm supposed to be exposure to, like, this space, I'm supposed to be exposure to that space, or whatever, like, take a hedge around important Fed meetings. And so, like, because, like, you know, there is significant downside risk here. There's uh, also significant upside risk here. But if, like, that's not the thing you're trading, like, people, like, tend to cover their risk and, like, de-risk heavily into um, events like this. I think there's a really low chance that, that things just rip, giga rip after it. But, like, but like 
I don't know. Like, I don't see that as some sort of like market manipulation or whatever. It's just kind of par for the course on like super high vol events. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I wasn't saying everything that uh, Oscar said is right, and I love hearing your counterpoint, Spencer. I just, I'm still getting a kick over the motivation and the uh, and the energy that he brought. I mean, he was enthusiastic. He came in. It was, uh, and he and he delivered some uh, some valid valid information, which is one that I that I watch. It's another it's another indicator amongst many indicators, but the ratio of calls to puts or puts to calls, uh, whichever order you want to put it in, is uh, typically a good uh, indicator of expectations. The one issue that I don't uh, have with that um, with that in particular is over what duration uh, those uh, those uh, puts those options are for. Um, but regardless, it is an indicator. And so uh, I appreciate Oscar's insight on it. Uh, the only thing you can fault him for is that he he's not a, a spaces expert. So he doesn't... Uh, uh, understand how to contribute there, but he did still uh, deliver some good information. So I like the uh, uh, the piece of information, and but I don't know what how that correlates historically to the market, like the put call ratio. Um, how that usually um, is that usually a good indicator? If it was perfect at it, well then we would have you know obviously there would be no mystery to the market. We would all know which way the market is headed. Um, I think uh, one of the things that we were seeing, I think that was yesterday, or yeah, maybe um, maybe Elliot was mentioning this on the show, uh, but like a lot of the discussion is that Q1 is still when things are going to uh, go negative. That said, if you were shorting the market and you were making money um, during the uh, COVID crash in March of, what was that, 2020, um, and you were uh, trading that, what and you made money, you are looking for the market to keep dumping, keep dumping, keep dumping. And then there was an unprecedented level of money printing that we hadn't seen before. So there was still a lot of anyone who was short in that position was still um, incredibly pessimistic about things. I, you know, I, I, I like as another indicator to see general consensus amongst uh, you know, sort of experienced traders as a, as another indicator, just like the put to call ratio is another indicator. Um, and right now, it feels like the consensus from multiple people that I've heard that are in this space that are all like, my friend at you know uh, at Goldman says that blah blah blah. Uh, the expectation is that Q1 uh, could see another low, and I think Morgan Stanley or J.P. Morgan, whatever, same same. Uh, they came out with uh, a statement uh, yesterday, I guess, uh, expecting an additional 20% pullback in the markets. Um, so to see the put ratio, like uh, Oscar was mentioning, uh, makes a ton of sense. We hope to, uh, a lot of people in the Discord seem to like Oscar. So Oscar, pick up a portal and hop in there. Uh, they'd love to, to hear from you and learn more about that. And maybe we can... Uh, uh, give you some insight on NFT trading uh, from a degenerate standpoint. But yeah. yeah, I just followed the guy hoping that he'll, I'm DM him right, uh, right now. Uh, 
basically I want to have him on the show every day and we'll see how many months before he doesn't jo- oh he's <laughs> he's requesting again <laughs> well maybe we'll close out the show with him in a couple minutes stick around Oscar I can't let you on stage right now the second I let you on stage it's like letting a wolf into the hen house it's like letting a gorilla into the phone booth you're not gonna stop man like if you were an MMA fighter it, like they, they wouldn't be able to get you to off the opponent after the guy taps out or in between rounds you'd just be attacking the guy but i like it and i think it's actually maybe one of the funniest things that's happened on this show um look i got a question i like his twitter account is oscar nine two three seven four eight six four so remember that someone asked if we can get oscar to read do the ad reads (laughs) well here's one they want to copy wanted you to follow their twitter account t-o-k-a-p-i underscore official so, so, so check that out. Check out their Twitter account. I'm gonna grab some of them stamps. That, and, that's sorry. And uh, Oscar, uh, you got a lot of fans. All right. I love it. You love to see someone that just has that it factor. You know, sometimes people just have the it factor, and people are drawn to them. You see it with Frank from D Gods. Um, you know, you see it with some other entities in the space, Ferocious, and and you see it with Oscar. So you love to you love to see that. That's awesome. Um, you know, I want to ask Nick Spencer Kicks. You know, what about the idea that the market is forward looking? And if everybody's saying late 2023, uh, early 2024 is when we get a reversal, does that mean that the market is really going to front run the shit out of that? What do you think about that, Spencer? What yeah. do you think about that, Kicks? Nick, yeah, same thing? Yeah, it's going to bottom if it hasn't already. Uh, but uh, I, I like it going down another 20, 20 uh, 30%. I, I'd been saying that before, so I'm looking forward to that happening. I just don't know what the catalyst is for that at this point in time. Uh, maybe it's like a, a shitty jobs report, which is what the Fed kind of implied that they were going to keep raising rates to almost like uh, force any like that there needs to be when they're saying pain ahead. I think all that they're indicating is, yes, there may be positive signs, but we're not done. And I think that that's kind of how I read into those statements, a.k.a. we're going to continue to increase uh, raising rates, even though we've seen a deceleration in uh um, uh, inflation, we're still above 7%, which is above the target. And they're saying, we're going to combat it. And there's a lot of people saying, Hey, f- screw these guys. Like the, uh, like what, what, look, we don't need the fed to keep doing this guys. It's slowing down. All right. Like j- already just let it be. Um, it sounds like they're going to maybe, you know, increase it a little more. Uh, and, uh, and what we should start looking for is, more recession type indicators, which we haven't actually seen, but that was the anticipation of Q1. That's when I would say like when we're hitting recession level uh, and there's any indicator of that, um, wait for it to sell and then buy in. Love it, Nick. Hey, look, ladies and gentlemen, Nick might be the investigator. He might be basically the biggest star in the NFT space right now, besides Frank, when you look at the contact, a uh, content, but you can't deny that Nick knows this stuff. Kicks, you have your hand raised. What do you think? Hey, P.O., sorry for the dead space there, big guy. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, here's the thing. First of all, no one fucking knows, right? There's like, it, you can look at either side of the equation and there's just as much evidence one way or the other. Um, you know, there's people that are like, you know, six out of the last six times the feds have cut rates. The stock market goes down on average 30%. Um, also there's a bunch of people that say the stock market doesn't bottom until we're like 
we we first like the first quarter we go into the recession. Um, but then there's other people that have arguments the other side. I think the one thing that maybe, uh, and I'm kind of repeating myself, but the one thing that an, uh, uh, n maybe not an, a lot of enough people are considering is that we may switch from uh, like negative pressure in the stock market because of inflation and switch to the like the chance that there could be deflation. Uh, in the economy, and that's what makes people bearish. So um, the issue with deflation is that it it really neuters economic growth and spending. Because, um, for example, if anyone's following like the used car market, right? Like car prices are absolutely cratering, um, and rates are high, so no one really wants to buy these cars, right? But like, if you see car prices dropping, are you going to buy a car today? Only if you absolutely need to. If you don't absolutely need it, you may wait three or four months and the prices keep dropping, right? And also when deflation is happening, it's really bad for uh, uh, borrowers um, because generally like, you know, income goes down, uh, but then debt remains the same. So uh, most people think deflation isn't like, a, like a, something that happens all the time, but it did happen to Japan. Uh, in like the 1990s and it was really fucking bad so i think that could be something that is an outside chance of happening but like if we were talking about like what's going to make the s p go down another like 30 percent uh that could like potentially be a scenario where the fed still increased by 50 basis points this quarter and then you know we get into january and march of next year and inflation's actually going negative so we're deflating and then the fed panics and tries to start cutting rates but they're too late like they've already shocked the economy too bad and then we drop spencer any thoughts on what kick said what <laughs> that to me uh, i don't know i i don't see any shame I mean, like that was the best the, analysis you ever heard the no, the opposite I, I don't know i like to me like like inflation is still at, like seven whatever percent like yeah maybe like the fed overcorrected it uh, overcorrects right so like if they continue at the 50 basis point hike this week maybe like that is an overcorrection but if it's an overcorrection surely like it's not going to go like from seven percent to like negative whatever percent right like i think that that almost certainly isn't going to happen and if that happens it happens for probably a short period of time and the fed immediately starts cutting rates and then we go to valhalla right like that's when like 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 we're talking about going up really substantially if the fed increases less than expected if the fed cuts rates like like whenever the fed, fed starts going down that's when you go like full risk on right because that's when we see like the the next unit cycle i don't think the fed actually cuts rates until begins cutting rates till like mid to late next year at the earliest but we could even rally before that if they like 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 this fed meeting is the first fed meeting where there's a real chance i've been saying this you can go back listen to the recordings of this show months ago i've always said Christmas time is around when maybe we could start to see something like a, a change in the narrative that goes from being like incredibly macro negative to somewhat macro positive. So like from this Fed meeting on, there will always be this chance that like people know in the next 18 months, we're going to see a reversal. Like it's going to probably happen in the next 18 months, right? Starting now is when it could happen. So I think we see like slight pumps and slight dips if it's not the thing everyone's like hoping for, right? But the, but like, there's just no we're just not even close to like being deflate like to having deflation and if we were it would happen like mid next year right like there's no way we go from plus seven to minus one like 
that's just unprecedented. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, first of all, seven uh, percent is year over year, so that's comparing to December of last year, month over month. Uh, came under expectations and was at 0.1%. So we can still be higher on the yearly and month over month, uh, very quickly go into the negatives. We're at 0.1% right now. Um, and also just to quickly uh, just lay out some numbers, uh, the Fed pivoted in 1969. The stock market went down 36% after that. The Fed pivoted in 1973. The stock market went down 48% after that. The Fed pivoted in 1981. The stock market went down 27% after that. The Fed pivoted in the year 2000. The stock market went down 50% after that. The Fed pivoted in the year 2007. The market went down 58% after that. And the Fed pivoted in 2019. And the stock market went down 35% after that. But that was due to COVID. So we love differing opinions on the show. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Oscar, I've invited you to speak. I see you in the audience. I've invited you to speak. Just wanted to close out the show with you. I've also requested to follow you, and you have not accepted the request. I've also DM'd you several times. And he didn't like the way that you spoke to him. I'm beyond. I mean, you know, Oscar. I totally feel like feel you. If Oscar did. wants to express that to me, that's totally fine. I I would if you put a gun to my head, my bet would be that that's actually not what's going on here. No, given, he sounded pretty emotional about it. Uh, I think he was emotional because he was bursting at the seams to get the information off of his chest. Oscar, if you're listening to the show and you're processing this, I've invited you to the stage. I've also DM'd you and requested to follow. Wanted to close out the show with you if possible. If not, would love to have you back on the show for a period tomorrow. Um, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. We run this Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern time uh, each and every week where we talk all things NFTs and crypto. Um, today's sponsor, Tokapi. Make sure that you follow them on Twitter. Uh, shout out to everybody that is listening to the show. Shout out to Tokapi, T-O-K-A-P-I. If you're interested in collecting digital collectibles in the stamp direction, Tokapi is the sponsor for you. We will catch you guys tomorrow. Shout out to Oscar if you're listening. Uh, I have requested to follow you. Catch you next time, guys.